What a good day. Huh? Yeah. I don't know any Spanish, unfortunately. Buenos dias, you know. Know a little bit of French, but uh, not here. Uh, we have been going over uh, this year, we're going to be talking about living drenched, and we're going to be talking about how to do that, because that's one of the catchphrases that we have here. Well, I, well what does that mean? How do, you, how do you do it? And there'll be some testimonies involved, but for the next four weeks, uh, I'm going to do a series about uh, us being called to community. Today, we're called to community. We're also going to talk about uh, the challenges of community, <laughs> Uh, and we'll be talking about the power of community and the joy of community. Uh, but first of all, we have to know that that's what we're called to. And would you stand with me? And let's read two verses out of Hebrews chapter 10 together. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the presence of your spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill this place and that the things that are said are things that, things that you want to have said and the things that are heard are what you want us to hear. And may, it, may it sink deep into our hearts and into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I was a kid... Growing up, preacher's kid, I, uh, uh, I, I told an old joke in the first service and, you know, it just kind of went, but uh, I'm going to try it again. I felt, I, I, I felt like a dollar bill. You know the old joke about the dollar bill, right? Uh, the, uh, the money goes to heaven and when they get to heaven... They're all talking about all the things that they've done and where they've been. And the $100 bill talks about the exotic vacations and, and all the wonderful places that they went. And, you know, and, 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 the, and the 20s talking about, you know, how friendly the people were at Publix and, you know, all the stuff that they, all, all, the, all the things they had at Kroger and things like that. And they got to the, to the $1 bill and they says, well, it was always pretty much the same for me. Go to church, go to church, go to church. <laughs> Okay, well, all right, we've got a younger crowd here. Maybe some of you hadn't heard that before, but, uh, but that's what I felt like. I mean, every time the doors were open, right? You know, guess, guess who here that was old enough to actually be able to do it did not get to see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. This guy, you know, because we had you know, church that night, and we would have revivals. We'd have, we'd have, we'd have these week-long, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then we'd have these week-long revivals two or three times a year, and as they were supposed to be week-long. But what would happen is if the revival was really good, my dad would get up toward the end of it and go, you know, I really think brother so-and-so ought to be staying for another week. How many of y'all agree with that? Would you just stand up right now? You know, and of course people stand up and everybody else would feel like they had to stand up. Uh, because if they didn't stand up, we were going to have an altar call till they came that night. And if it didn't go well, if it was just kind of, eh, you know, my dad would get up toward the end of it and go, I really think God has more for us. We need to go another week. And, 
you know, so I just I check it off. Dad, I've got a life. I'm only going to be a child for a certain length of time. I, I, need, to, I need to get out there and enjoy this. Uh, and so I would say to my parents, where does the Bible say you got to go to church? And they would always bring this verse up for me. Uh, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You know, I said, well, we're, we're here. We're, we're right here. We're assembled at our house, two or three of us. And of course, this verse doesn't actually mention church, per se. And it says nothing about three times a week or how often we should meet. But there's a word in there that is very powerful that we need to maybe pay attention to. And it is habit. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. To live drenched requires living in community. Um, and let me, I want to give a little bit of biblical context for, for this. And then I just want to talk about life for a few minutes. Um, worship in the days of the patriarchs was a, was a, was a household affair. The head of the household would, uh, would be, he would talk to God, uh, be the one to build the altar, would offer sacrifices and, and things like that. And kind of go, well, okay, yeah, that, that's, uh, see, they just stayed at home and did this stuff. Uh, however, Genesis fourteen fourteen talking about Abraham tells us that Abraham had 318 trained men in his household. That didn't include the women. It didn't include uh, the children. It didn't include, uh, I guess, some untrained men. There must be a few of them. Abraham's household was a small town. Abraham's household was bigger than the town I grew up in. And when Jacob went down to Egypt... It says that all those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his son's wives, numbered 66 persons. So then you got the wives, and then you got those who were not direct descendants, and then you got servants, and you got a pretty good, you got a pretty good sized crowd there. And the entire household would be involved in the worship that, that the priest <clears throat> would lead. Genesis 17, 23, God had spoken to Abraham and had given him, uh, had spoken to him about a covenant and given him a sign of the covenant. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those who were born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household and circumcised them as God told him. I'd rather go to church. Now, they didn't go to church, they, but they lived in church. Church was, that was, that was what they, that's what they were in every day. Uh, starting with Moses, with the, with the law of Moses, you know, once you begin to deal with, with tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people, you got to begin to get a little organization going on. And so beginning with the, beginning with the law and, and uh, the advent of the Levitical priesthood, things became somewhat codified. Three times a year, the men were supposed to appear before, uh, before God. Uh, the festival of unleavened bread, which lasted a week. Uh, and then 50 days later, the Feast of Weeks, which we would call Pentecost uh, as Christians. And then in the fall, they would have the, uh, 
the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, the Feast of Booths, and, and that lasted a week as well. And all of, the, all of the men in the nation were supposed to appear before God at that point in time, but that's not all that they did. Uh, there, were other, there were other feasts, there were other important days. They had Passover, they had first fruits, they had the Feast of Trumpets, they had the Day of Atonement that people were to be involved in. In addition to that, they had daily uh, offerings and sacrifices. They had new moon uh, sacrifices and festivals every, uh, every month. And then everyone was to observe the Sabbath. They got together a lot. They, they, they got together on a very regular basis under the law of Moses. Now, Christians and the church are, of course, not under the law, but there are examples. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's four things there that were the pillars of what they were doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to the table, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. And yes, they sort of lived a communal lifestyle at that point in time as well, according to, to Acts chapter 2. But one of the beauties of the gospel is it, it, it doesn't require a particular culture. I mean, it, it goes across all cultures. It, it doesn't require a Western culture or an Eastern culture or a Middle Eastern culture or, or any of that. It, it permeates all of it. And generosity and the willingness to help each other, which those of you who know this passage know these people did, that's not tied to a culture either. And then over in verse 46, it says this, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And I'm so glad my dad did not use that verse when I asked him, where does it say we're supposed to get together? We're supposed to go to church. Should we meet daily? Well, there's precedent for it, but it isn't required. Uh, there are indications of weekly gatherings. Acts uh, 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. This was at Troas. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's also the occasion where the guy fell out the window and, and died, but, uh, but he... <laughs> He was, he was raised. Uh, <laughs> first Corinthians 16, two on the first day of the week, every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. The, uh, uh, the implication is that, that they were regularly meeting on the first day of the week, which we call the Lord's Day, actually, that comes out of Revelation 1.10. But it's called the Lord's Day because that is the day of the week on which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ conquered death, rose from the, rose from the dead. It's the, day of the, it's the day of the resurrection. And we are attuned as people, every, everyone, really, uh, anywhere in the world, we're all attuned to this seven-day thing. This, that's how we're wired. We, we just are. And God did that. He, he put that inside of us. And so on this particular day, we gather together each week to remember the resurrection of our Lord. We're getting ready to come upon the, uh, the season of Lent here. And I wasn't raised in a church where Lent was, uh, was observed. And as a church, sometimes we've 
focused on it more or less. I, I do feel like it's an, an individual thing. But uh, one of the things that I didn't know about that I had to learn, you know, I thought, well, Lent, that's a 40-day fast. It is a 40-day fast, but it goes a period of 46 days. And the reason it goes a period of 46 days is because Sunday, you don't fast. You celebrate. Death has been conquered. Jesus Christ has, has won. He's victorious. And because he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, then I'm going to get to live forever. Oh, boy. Every, every week, that needs to be something that, that comes to my attention, comes to my mind. So while we have no specific rules about how to gather, or how often to gather, or how many people make up a meeting, it's clear that uh, from the very beginning, from the, from the time of the, the patriarchs, the believers have come together to worship and fellowship. And some are in the habit of not coming together. And it's particularly pervasive in our culture because our culture is so attuned to choice and freedom and individualism and, and, and all that kind of stuff that <clears throat> we, know, you know, we just feel like it's, it's, it's my right to not go. Well, it is your right. It isn't a very helpful right for you to practice, but it is your right. And, and so we have a tendency to... We have a tendency to drift into that. And habits are very powerful motivators in our lives. How many of you know that it takes a lot less time to establish a bad habit than it does to establish a good one? And the rest of you have never encountered a bad habit that you've had to deal with or anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, to get up and exercise every morning would be a good habit, right? And how many of you do it? It's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> Nobody in this. Okay. Yeah, there's kind of uh, a little bit of that going on. All right, Andrew, you're the man. Uh, and, you know, to get in that habit, I mean, I think after eight or ten years, you could probably be in the habit of getting up every morning to exercise. And you know how long it takes to break that habit and get in the habit of not getting up? exercise? I'd say about three days. And it's there. And, and so when it comes to, when it comes to, to going, you know, there are some Sundays and then I get up and I don't feel like coming here. Yeah, I know. And, and I think Barbie can handle this today. She's got it. Worship's covered. Ernie will take up the offering. You know, this is, this is good. This is good. <clears throat> but you know what? I come anyway. And there's a couple of reasons why I come. One, I need it. I just absolutely need it. And especially when you think you don't need it is when you need it the most. And two, it doesn't take long to get in the habit of not coming. Now, you know, I'm probably not going to get in that habit because I'm the guy right? <laughs> but, you know, I hadn't always been the guy and, and I know it just doesn't, it doesn't take long to, to slip out of it whatsoever. So anyway, what I'd like to, <clears throat> all right, I, I want to look at, at some reasons why people say they don't come and, and let's put aside the issue of laziness, which is probably the main reason 
Why people don't come? You know? Oh, I want, you know, yeah, I really want to do that. Yeah, but you ain't getting out of bed, are you? But let's put that aside. Because I know that's not the issue with any of you because you're here. And probably we'll be here next week. Uh, And then let's also put aside the issue because I'm so tired. And I understand that people work hard and they're so tired. And these other things are more important than getting up and expending my energy to come and worship God. But I want to look at four things that I hear occasionally from people. Uh, One of the things that I hear is the institutional church is messed up. Yes, it is. And some local churches are messed up. Uh, Not all, but I'll tell you what, every single one of them, you can find some mess up somewhere in it. Some you you have to look harder than others, but they've all got some mess up. And the institutional church is messed up. So is your cable company. Yeah. You know what else is messed up? Fast food is messed up. You're probably still going to go eat some. The healthcare system. Messed up big time. Got a bunch of amens in the early service. Those are older people. They've had more experience with it. Messed up, but you're probably still going to continue to be involved in it. Congress. Messed up. Yeah. NFL officiating. It's messed up, but you probably will still keep watching. Wall Street, the internet, social media, tax return forms, great sales. Uh, there's so many things that are messed up, and we don't, we, but we don't go, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to watch that anymore. But when it comes to church, oh, it's messed up. You might be a little messed up. <laughs> okay, so that's one thing. All right, let me give you three others. I got offended at church. Okay. Uh, Who does that look like? Uh, If if you, first of all, let me say this. If you got offended at church, it's your fault. Now, I'm not talking about getting hurt. Sometimes people get hurt and sometimes it's their fault and sometimes it's not their fault. But if you got offended, it's your fault because of offense is a choice. Amen. Yeah, but they did. So- offense is a choice. You either pick it up or you don't pick it up. Just that, just that simple. Yeah. Now, hurt. Sometimes people get hurt at church and, you know, and, and yeah. there are toxic churches. You know, and some people think this is one. Um, I, I don't, 
and hopefully none of y'all do, but I mean, you know, there are, and there are, there are times, there are seasons, there are, there are reasons for leaving, and some of them are because there's something bad going on, or sometimes it's because God just told you to. Seriously, I mean, he had something, something else for you. There are legitimate reasons to do that. And now, here's the thing. If you're a big peanut butter fan, and you get a bad jar of Skippy, and you go, I ain't ever going to eat Skippy again. I bet you get you a jar of Jif or Peter Pan or something else. But if you go to a church and you get hurt, hey, that was Skippy. But Peter Pan's just down the road. Jif's right across the street. There's something there. God has something for He has a place for you. Somewhere he really does. You ever got hurt at taking your car to a garage? I don't mean you got hurt, but you got offended. I don't know. You know so, ripped off. Yeah, yeah. You didn't go to Gold Street, did you? Well, you, you still take your car to get fixed? Whenever it gets, whenever it needs it? Of course, did you ever get hurt playing ball? Did you never play ball anymore? Yeah, this is, this is, this is the thing. Yeah, people do get, get hit in church, hurt in church. They may get hit too. I don't know. People, uh, yeah, come on, clear. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they stop doing it if it's something they want to do or feel like they need to do. Okay, well, let's go on to this one. I get what I need on TV. Uh, well, two, two things. You don't need much. And then secondly, you're in a place in your life where you don't feel like you need much, but you're not going to stay there. Time will come. When you need something more than that. Now, let me, let me say this. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm, um, I, I'm in some ways I'm thankful for, uh, you know, for TV ministries and things like that. I say in some ways, my, my parents, when I was growing up, my parents just never could understand why somebody would ever miss church. That was the culture of, of things. When they got a little older, when they got a lot older and my mom, uh, ended up in a wheelchair and my dad was in his eighties and stuff, they began to understand why sometimes people might not go and, and, uh, you know, and I am thankful that if you can't go, if you really can't go, you got something. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's some ministry there. And also, I'm thankful because I, I understand that there are sometimes, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, somebody's just drunk enough, they're not going to flip the channel another time, and they're not going to get up, and they're going to hear something that might totally change their life, and they give their life to Jesus. And, and I am thankful for that. I am not thankful for the, for, for the idea that has kind of invaded culture that this is church. It's not. It's TV, people. John Hagee is not going to perform your wedding. T.D. Jakes is not going to come up and slap you on the shoulder and go, how's it going, bud? You ready to get going? You know? You're not going to get an opportunity to sit down and talk over your problems with Joel Olstein 
unless you write a big check. Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking those guys. I'm just saying that's, that's reality. Your flat screen will not give you a hug. And sometimes that's what you need. You can't fellowship with television. You know, if, if somebody's preaching on TV, it doesn't matter uh, how great you think that thing was they just said and how loud you yell, amen, he doesn't hear you. No, nobody really does. And then one more, and then, then we'll, we'll, we'll get on the other side of this. Uh, and this one I have to smile at. And God told me to stop going to church. No, he didn't. Well, yes, he did. I said, I'm supposed to go and start ministering to, the, you know, to these other people. They aren't, they're in bed on Sunday morning. Go minister to them. But come in fellowship. Come and, come and be part, of, come and be part of, a, of a family. What God told you was, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing because that's what his word says so how does it help me I mean how does it help me to come how does it help me to, to live drenched if I if I go to church well let's go back to this verse that we looked at at the beginning uh, it says for us to consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds now I have the privilege of of, of speaking most Sunday mornings to those of you who attend and and, uh, and the Sunday mornings that I don't speak, I have the privilege of deciding who's going to speak. I have a lot of power. <laughs> but I'm only one voice. And, and, uh, and the voice of encouragement that is heard may very well be yours. Consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It may be you going up to somebody and going, hey, you thinking about going on that mission trip? I, I, I think I'm planning on going. Why don't, why don't we both go? You know, why, why, don't, why, don't, we go, uh, why don't we go together? Or, let me tell you what the Lord did for me this week. Or let me tell you how the Lord met my need the last time I, I decided to go on a mission trip. Or, you know, I, I just, I just want to tell you that. Or the most powerful thing that you can ever say to anybody is, can you help me with this? I, I, I need some help here. Can you give me a hand? Talk about spurring one another on. There, there are people out there who want to do good deeds. They just don't know how, what to do. Don't, don't know how to do it. Just need somebody to say, we need some help here. So let us consider how to spur one another on to, to love and good deeds. And you know what? To do that, you've got to actually be in contact with somebody. You, you've got to actually be in front of them. They've, they've got to actually be in front of you. And, and we hold each other accountable when we come together. <laughs> we have some Facebookaholics in this church. And I've been trying to, to help some of them with their recovery. They fall off the wagon from time to time, but, but the good ones, you want me to name names? Uh, the, the good ones will, will come to me, you know, from time to time and go, well, I fell off the wagon. I, I jumped into that conversation. Listen, let me tell you this. No one's mind was ever changed on Facebook about anything. 
I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty, I mean, I like Facebook because uh, one of the reasons I like it is I wish all of you were on it because I'd know who you were. You know, when I heard your name, I just go, oh yeah, I've seen that one before. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but on the other hand, it, it tends to really polarize us because polarize society, because like I say, nobody's mind gets changed. You just find a bunch of people who agree with exactly everything you have to say, and it makes you more <clears throat> locked in to that and opposed to everybody else. And, and so uh, uh, seriously, I mean, you know, there's some people, uh, there are some people here at, at the church that, um, you know, every now and then I'll go look at their Facebook page and go, <laughs> you know, and they go, oh, I know, I know. And they're getting better. They really are because, because you hold each other accountable. Your television will not hold you accountable for anything. So that's one of the things. And then seeing God in others is such a powerful thing. When, uh, when Margaret and I first got married, we went to the Lord's Chapel. And, uh, and there was this man there named Stoney Fairweather. Gladstone Fairweather. And uh, Stoney went home to be with the Lord this last year. And a number of you know Stoney. Uh, but for those of you who don't know Stoney, he's a Jamaican. And I had, he, he was one of the elders at the chapel. And, and we became friends. But uh, before I actually got to know him, I, I, I just almost couldn't take my eyes off of him during worship. I mean, it was just, and, and so I, uh, I got myself together one time and I actually went down and sat beside him in worship. Changed my life. You know, it's one thing for worship to be going on and it's kind of strong. You know, it's, it's one thing for, for, for to be sitting around with people going, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. You know, something else to stand by Stony Fairweather. When that's going on, you know, he, he, he's just, you know, he's giving it that and everything. And, you know, and, and so I was standing beside Stoney and, and not only was I beginning to go, if I sing real loud, no one else will hear me because I'm beside Stoney. So that kind of released me to do that. But it also, there was this self-defense thing kind of going on where I was kind of going, you know, and, and I didn't, I, I had moves who knew. And it changed my approach to worship. All of a sudden, rather than coming into worship, I grabbed it with both hands and, and, and went into it. You got to be beside somebody for that to happen. And Josh Osborne. And he went home to be with the Lord this last year. If you didn't, you know, uh, you, you could see all of the, the stuff that goes on up here and, and hear all of the preaching and, and, you know, get the bulletin or whatever and, and, and do those kinds of things. And that's great because you'd get some good stuff, but you would not get the full dose that you get if you're actually here. You would not have even known that Josh Osborne existed. But by coming here 
and seeing that young man and what was in his life, it impacted everybody. Because most everybody could look at him and go, he's got more problems than I've got. And he's got such a better attitude than I've got. And such a better spirit than I've got. I mean, he would come to the gate on Tuesday mornings uh, at 6.30 and to 7. And it is great, 7.30 is great to have him there because you had to worship if Josh was there. Because Josh was going to do it. And you just, just kind of went, okay, I'm going to do it too. But when, when he, uh, there's just so many mornings. And two or three mornings, he, he actually, he shared at the gate. You know, and all these guys are just crying they're just weeping that only happens when you actually come in contact with somebody and there was a well there's a lady here in the church who was sharing with me a few months ago uh why she started coming to this church she and her husband came here to uh to visit one day and and i wasn't preaching barbie was but they came back uh, <laughs> I just couldn't resist. I would gladly go to a church where Barbie was preaching every, every week. But, uh, but, but she came and she said, you know, the reason why I came back was I saw how this church treats people with special needs. I went, wow, I, I need to, that's where I want to be. And I, I would like to think that we would get there anyway, but there was a, a, an incident that happened that was very significant in my life and has a lot to do, I think, with, with why we are the way we are in that regard. Uh, it was a midweek service. This was probably 35 years ago uh, <clears throat> at the Lord's Chapel. It was a midweek service, and this guy named Mike Nelson was preaching. And Mike was a dynamic speaker. And he also, um, he also had a very soft heart, uh, but he also kind of like me, sometimes spoke a little off the cuff on some things. And, uh, and he, was, he was speaking on this, this uh, midweek service. And there was a lady who came to our church, uh, and she was, she was cross-eyed. And you may go, well, cross-eyed, that's not really special needs. I mean, it was painful to, to look at this lady, uh, seriously, uh, and, and go, oh my, you know, God help her. But, but she was very faithful. She was always there. And in the middle of this uh, service, Mike is up and he's preaching. And she always sat on the front row. And, and Mike was, uh, was preaching. And I don't remember the context. I don't remember exactly why he said it or how he got there. And, and he wasn't saying something mean about it. He was using it kind of as a, an, an, uh, an analogy to something else. But he uh, said something about, you know, being cross-eyed. And as soon as he said it, I saw his eyes glance at that lady. Oh, my and he went on for about two or three minutes, and then he stopped. And, and he started crying. And he said, I've got to stop here. I can't keep. He said, you know, if you've got a friend who's cross-eyed or, or anything, that's, I apologize. I, you know, I really shouldn't have said that. Now, here's the thing. You know, you're, you're probably sitting there going, well, okay, and, and. And there's nobody who was there that night who will ever forget that moment. 
ever forget it. I, I heard people 10, 15 years later when Mike's name would come up would go, I remember that night that he stopped crying and he started crying, stopped preaching and started crying because he had made that comment. And it impacted me and it impacts the kind of church we are. That can only happen if you're there. You have to be there for it to happen. Scripture also says to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And yeah, say words of encouragement. When you come to church, you should. But don't forget to remind each other that the day is coming. The day is coming. Yes, the world stinks a lot. Yes, the, uh, the stuff that happened in, in Paris this week, that's, that's, that's terrible. You know what? There were probably more terrible things than that that happened this week. We just don't know about them. I mean, atrocities going on everywhere and not just on the other side of oceans as well. Yes, it, it, there's, there's a lot of despair. Yes, but it's not going to stay this way. Because he's coming. He is coming. The day will come. Yeah, I, I know that people are saying, oh, things, go, things are going on the way they always have. Where's this coming that he promised? That's one of the signs. He's coming. He actually is. And we need to say, and I'm not talking about when I talk about encouragement and everything. I'm not talking about, you know, kind of a, a, a forced sort of plastic kind of, doing great, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm blessed and nothing less and blah, blah. You, you know, you're flat out. I'm talking about real life, encouraging real people and picking them up in, in real hard times. You know, the, the church has a, um, a bad rep for kicking people when they're down and and that brothers and sisters this should not be we should be picking each other up because life is hard in a fallen world when i came back to the lord and i started going to church it was not because of and this was this was the shift for me it was not it was no longer because i was paying my religious dues it was no longer a matter of, well, I need to go to church so God will be happy with me. It was because I needed it. And I wanted to be there. I wanted to be with those people, the ones that I liked and even the ones I didn't like. You know, I just wanted to be there with them. Be, be, in, be in God's presence and have, and have that fellowship. And when the mindset is that we're going to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and we're going to encourage one another, it works. It does powerful things in your life. I'll close with this. Don Finto, I heard him give an analogy one time. Uh, he said, the church is a big boat. It's an ocean-going vessel. And you... You are there in that. That's a rowboat. That's a little dinghy. And as long as the water is like that, it might be okay. But you know what? The water doesn't stay like that. It, it, it tosses and turns. It gets to places. And so, the reason you need the church is because there are going to be some weeks, going to be, you know, maybe you had a great week 
Maybe you've had such a wonderful week, and I don't just mean, you know, you got a raise at work or something like that. I mean, you know, you've been in the Word, you've been praying, you've been in touch with God, and you're just kind of going, oh, the glory is so thick here. I just need to stay here and get some glory juice and, uh, because this is wonderful. You know, there is somebody, there is somebody who's going to be in the boat that day, and they need you. They need you to stabilize what's going on in that boat. And there's going to be some, and there's going to be some weeks when, when you're going to be the one who just got whacked that week. And, and you know, when you get whacked, the, the enemy kind of tells you, you know, your attitude's just so bad, you need to just stay home today. He is a liar and the father of all lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's exactly the time you need to be there because somebody had a good week. And God's going to see to it that the two of you get connected up. And you're going to be lifted up. To live drenched on any kind of consistent level requires being called to community. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray for people come forward? And if you're here and you need prayer, and I know there are those who do, then these brothers and sisters are here to pray for you, pray with you. Um, God's Spirit is here to empower those prayers, to get things done. And you come. And if you don't know Christ, hey, it's no accident that you're here. God wants, God wants you. He's after you. So uh, we'd love to introduce you to him. Invite you to come forward as well. If you don't need to come, worship with us for a few moments. For those who do need it. You say, well, other people are going to be singing. No, your voice. You need to be a part of this. You need to be a part.
raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world to make us one, so that we might be one just as the Father and the Son are one. May you enter fully into that communion. May you enjoy it and draw strength from it and identity from it. And may Jesus be made beautiful in your life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.